Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. And um, so as believers in Christ, we, we must come to a resolve that either God's word has the answers for our problems or it doesn't. There's no 50-50. There's no, well, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Either God's word is totally sufficient or it isn't. And so that's the resolve that we have to come to, especially when something with fear uh, that uh, all of us face in, in one time of our lives. And so we must come to that resolve. Is God's word uh, sufficient? But the reality is God's word does have the answers for any problem, including fear, but we must put it into practice. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Uh, we're reminded of what Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1.3 that God through his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so we have exactly what we need in this life, the word of God, and it pertains to all of life, pertains to all of godliness, and it is sufficient enough for us to be able to live the life that God has called us to live and not to be uh, controlled uh, by fear. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you today. Through the power of God's word, I don't have to be controlled by fear. Through the power of God's word, I don't have to be controlled by fear. So let's spend some time in the word here. And I want to give you some practical help of thinking biblically about fear. So first of all, number one, when is fear sinful? Well, fear in of itself is not sinful because there are healthy types of fear, right? Um, there is the fear of falling, right? I mean, if you, if you climb on top of a, a ladder, you get up kind of high that fear is actually healthy, it, it protects you. It's good to have that kind of fear. Um, but there is a sense of when fear does become sinful, okay? Um, we are to fear God more than we are to fear man. Uh, fear of man, Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. For those of you that uh, have farmed or uh, have uh, any type of livestock or any, done any type of hunting, you know what a snare is, right? Sometimes we set snares to uh, keep certain type of uh, animals out so that way they will not harm the other livestock. But a snare is basically a simple trap that uh, when the animal goes through it and catches it and they begin to pull, it gets tighter and tighter, right? They can't get out. Well, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, God's word says. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So they're, they're fearing man more than they do fear God. They, they worship human rules more than they do worship God. And so uh, fear is sinful when we, have, uh, when we fear men more than God. Uh, fear is sinful when we fail to trust God. 
When God's word simply says we need to trust him, believe him, prove him, and we don't, uh, that, is, uh, that is when fear becomes sinful. Thirdly, this is a big one. We want control and certainty, which belongs to God alone. And this is a, this is a big issue that we're seeing today. We want control and certainty, right? We wanna be certain. We wanna make sure that everything is okay. Well, that's, that's sinful fear because control and certainty only belongs to God and God alone. Um, how many of you remember Howard Hughes? Remember him? If you don't know who he is, he was a billionaire aviator, motion picture producer and business tycoon. And he spent most of his life trying to avoid germs. Toward the end of his life, he laid naked in beds in darkened hotel rooms in what he considered a germ-free zone. He wore tissue boxes on his feet to protect them and he burned his clothing if someone near him became ill. Ironically, uh, Howard Hughes ended up neglecting his own hygiene later in his life. He rarely bathed, he rarely brushed his teeth, he even forced his compulsions on other people around him by asking them to wash their hands if they were gonna serve him any type of food, to compulsively wash their hands, and then even actually layering paper towels on top of their hands so when they gave him food. That's bizarre. Um, but that's, that's what happens when we live a life of fear. We, we get into these OCD orders and uh, we, we actually think that we can actually have control and certainty which belongs to God and God alone. Uh, that's, that's sinful fear. Um, God never promises his children complete safety. And when we try to control that, our fear becomes sinful. Uh, another way that we that fear is sinful is when fear keeps us from fulfilling our responsibilities to God. So, for example, you might have uh, 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 a guy that says, well, I can't go to work because of such and such, such and such, such and such. And he's neglecting his family by providing for his family. Uh, that fear is, has become sinful. Um, so, when we neglect our God-given responsibilities, taking care of our family, taking care of what we should be doing, doing what we should be doing, and we don't do those, that's when fear has become sinful. Let's look at some of this. Keys to overcoming fear. Got some uh, scriptures here for you. Matthew 10, 28. It's okay, you can sneeze. It's, it's all right. <laughs> Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So one of the keys that we can have to overcoming fear is to recognize that that which is to be feared the most, God's wrath, has been removed by Christ. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Who can destroy both body and soul in hell? God alone, right? We should fear him, God's wrath. 
But that wrath has been removed by Christ. Christ took our wrath on the cross. And so we should be thankful to God that the thing that we have most to fear is death has been removed in its sting by Christ. Now, there are things that... Uh, to be afraid of, and you know, I think that it is standing before God in your sin, right? We don't want to do that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, speaking of the work of Christ, it says, verse 14 and 15, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So the fear of death has been removed by Christ. And this is a key for us to help us remember the thing that we should be fearing the most is the wrath of God, not man, not circumstances. We should be fearing God. And that has been removed by Christ. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So Christ by his work has set us free from the real fear that we should have and instead we should trust God. Here's another key for overcoming fear. The Lord is your shepherd, Psalm 23. We spent a lot of time on that one, looking at that, uh, that psalm. I encourage you to go back over it, reread it, see what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. He will lead me, right, into the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, right? His rod and his staff is with me. He comforts me. So learn to trust God that he is your shepherd. He cares for you. Thirdly, the righteous are characterized by boldness, not fear. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee, though no one pursues. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. Why are they fleeing? Because they're afraid. But then he says, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So when we look at that and comparing and contrasting that, it's the idea that the wicked are gonna flee because they are afraid, but the righteous aren't gonna flee. They're not afraid because they're bold as a lion. Fourthly, only God possesses certainty and control. He alone should be trusted. You must trust him. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things God works together for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. All things. How many things? All things. Not some things. Not only the good things, not only the bad things, all things work together for good. So God possesses certainty and control. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. Do you know there are things, sometimes you hear people say, and I, I get what they're saying, they sometimes say things like, uh, well, you know, in the end, we're, we're going to know why all of this happened. You may never know. Deuteronomy 20, 20, 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things that God does in our life that he chooses to do in our life that belong to him and him only. And so we shouldn't sit there and try to figure it out why all that happens. 
Proverbs 3, 23 through 26, then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. So people who are very fearful want to be in control, want to be safe. They want, and I think with all of that, we need to remember that God alone is the one that is in control. He's the one only that can provide certainty, only him. Uh, So if God so permits us to go into a trial, we should remember that he will be with us in that trial, in the midst of that trial. Let's look at another aspect of fear that I I think people have. Uh, The fear of man, we read that verse, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man, I think, is probably one of the biggest problems that uh, we all face in life. Fear of man. People have fear of one another, such as a spouse, a friend, a parent, a boss, their children. We fear. Uh, People can also have a fear of man in the sense of being a people pleaser rather than a God pleaser. What does that person think about me? What did that person, I said this, oh, I don't know if they, I don't know, oh boy, that's fear of man. And so by living this way, our view of God and man become distorted. People become big and God becomes small. And really what has to happen is the other way around. God needs to become big and people need to become small. Let me share with you a passage of scripture that I think will be very helpful to us in learning how to deal with fear. Jeremiah 17, uh, verses five through eight. And uh, just take a look here at some of the the things here that uh, Jeremiah talks about here. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an inhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, this is what was going on. I mean, you just read this Jeremiah 17, and it's very helpful to understand what the background is of why Jeremiah said what he said. Jeremiah was a prophet in the divided kingdom time. You had the northern kingdom, you had the southern kingdom. You had Israel, and you had Judah. Jeremiah was a prophet uh, to Judah, to the southern kingdom. He lived during a, a very dark time. Uh, this is probably, probably around 600 years before Christ showed up on the scene. It was a very dark time. Divided kingdom, a lot of, lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, Israel, the northern kingdom, had already fallen and they, the city had been besieged. Uh, the Babylonians uh, came in, the Assyrians came in, took them captive, uh, carried them away. And Jeremiah here now is prophesying against Judah and the Assyrians are on their way. They're coming to capture 
the, the kingdom and they're gonna, they're, they're gonna destroy it. And uh, so when he says here in verse five, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. This is describing the sins of the people of Judah here as they saw the dangers of the enemies around them. And so what did they do? They were trying to trust in foreign alliances. In fact, they ended up going to Egypt and wanting to trust in Egypt saying, hey, will you help us out of this predicament that we're in? Assyria is gonna come over here and it's gonna destroy us, wipe us out. We wanna trust you, Egypt, rather than trusting in God. And so Jeremiah says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. And uh, they were trusting in Egypt. They were trusting in Egypt with all their false gods and all of their uh, pagan symbols. And so they were relying on themselves and their own abilities. And they failed to trust God. Notice again here that Jeremiah is saying here in this verse, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. He's saying, look how pitifully weak mankind is. It's weak. People ultimately can't be the source of your hope and trust. And he says, when we do this, our hearts, notice what he says, what happens when we trust in man? What does he say? Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh strength, whose what? Heart turns away from the Lord. You trust in man, your heart will turn away from God. So when we put our ultimate trust in people, our hearts are being disloyal to God. Earlier in the text, Jeremiah said this uh, in uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter number two, verse 13. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He says, they're, they're putting their trust in other things. They've forsaken me other than putting their trust in God. So Jeremiah in this text is using a very vivid picture here about those who trust in man and those who trust in the Lord. So the person who turns away from the Lord and puts their trust in people, we get a very descriptive picture of what they are like. Look at verse number six. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. It's a very descriptive picture of somebody who trusts in man rather than trust in God. And so this was a picture of what Israel and Judah was like in those days as they were under the curse of God in a time of dryness, either going into exile or during their exile. But when we apply this, I think, to our own lives, we can totally see how we are just like Israel and Judah. We are prone to be double-minded and say that we trust in God, but in reality, we're putting our trust in people. You see, when we make this personal, actually apply this and think of how we either become a bush in the wilderness, in the desert, or a tree by the water. Think about this, when world events happen that we cannot control. We might be so consumed with what's going on that we only listen to those that are, are on our side, right? 
politicians, November's coming up, politicians are gonna try to sell you a message about how they are going to be the savior of mankind, right? Vote for me. If you vote for me, that, 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 that. What are we doing? We're putting our trust in mankind. So what we do is we put our hope in man who will let us down rather than uh, let us down and we don't put our trust in God. So don't entrust yourself to people in the world. Uh, here's some verses, you can look these up yourself. Psalm 146, three through five tells us about that. Psalm 44, verse number six. Psalm 20, verse number seven. Deuteronomy 28, 52. Isaiah 31, one through two. All these talk about how we are not supposed to put our trust in man. It can apply to our job situations. If we're putting our hope in what our employers have said or what they promised or what this particular job promised or what we might be able to think, what we'll be able to do in accomplishing, moving up in the, in the ranks and it doesn't happen, we've put all of our stock in all of that and we said, I'm gonna trust in that and when it doesn't happen, what do you become? You become a dry, shrubby bush in the parched lands. The ultimate application, of course, is our relationships. Uh, for many people, their happiness is bound up in another person. I've seen this time and time and time again in marriages where the husband or the wife are wanting the spouse to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to live their life a certain way. And when that person doesn't live a certain way, all their trust and dependence is upon their spouse and how they live their life. And if their spouse doesn't live the life that they want them to live, what is it? That's fear of man. That's trusting in man. And so what ends up happening? They become a dry, shrubby bush in parched places. Uh, some spouses are looking for their spouse to treating them right, acting right. The spouse is not doing well. Then that person's life comes shattering down and they become a bush in the desert. Maybe things are hard in your marriage. You're not sensing the love and respect from your spouse and you want it very badly. What are you doing? You're putting your trust in man. Scripture here is saying, don't put your ultimate trust in mankind. People will let you down. People will let you down. If your ultimate happiness is built around a relationship, you're in danger of becoming a shrub in the desert. I think this even spills over into our friendships that we forge in life. If there's a particular friend that we may want to, like, want to like us more, you know, we may act a certain way around them that we do normally not act because we want them to like us. Well, what are we doing? We're fearing man. We're putting our confidence in man. There's a temptation of fear in order to please them. We sometimes even end up sinning so that we may get a little rain, right? Here we are, a, a dry, shrubby brush in the desert. And what, we're, we're, we're so parched, we need something. And so what do we do? We act a certain way so we can get a little bit of rain. So we're going, ah, oh, that feels so good. Ah, Right? So we become so consumed with fear of man. So what is the solution? What is the solution? Well, it's not rain. 
You don't need rain. What do you need? You need to be the tree that's planted by the water. The tree by the water doesn't need it to rain to survive. It's not dependent upon the rain. Your trust has to be in the Lord. Look at verses seven and eight. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. So the answer is not to change our circumstances. I think this is one of the hardest things as believers to really get a hold of is that sometimes we think when we're in a, in a certain situation that the circumstances have to change. And if we could just get those circumstances to change, then everything would be great. What are we asking for? We're asking for rain. God says you don't need the circumstances to change. You just need to get planted by the water. That's what you have to do. So we have to trust God in this. So even though the circumstances won't change, God can still be depended upon, even in the midst of those circumstances. That's Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So what you have to do is learn to turn your heart away from finding your joy in people and learning to trust God in every circumstance. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. So in a time of trial, the answer is not that people, that we try to get people to become what we want them to be. It's not that our fear uh, is, is relieved by having the circumstances changed, but rather I need to learn what it means to be that tree that's planted by the river of water. God tells me in his word that I can learn how to flourish. Look at verse number eight. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, and notice this, and does not fear when heat comes. What's heat? What's heat? Any type of circumstance that comes into your life. You don't fear when the heat comes, when you lose the job, when the spouse goes wayward, when your kids aren't turning out the way that you thought that they were gonna turn out. When the heat comes, you're not worried. You're not anxious. You're not fearful because you're planted by the water. And so it's the thing that you are afraid of, that heat. So even if the heat comes, your leaves can remain green. Look what he says, he is like a tree. He says, does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green. And so even if the rain does not come, look, he says, and is not anxious in the year of drought. So even if the rain doesn't come, we all like rain, don't we? Isn't it, isn't it nice to have people say things about you that's nice and kind and wonderful? Isn't it great when, when you, you go to work and everything just seems to work out wonderful and you come home and the, the marriage is doing great and the kids are doing great? Isn't it great to get the rain? Yeah, it is. But when there's seasons of drought, when there is no rain, we can still remain 
with green leaves and we can still bear fruit even in a time when there's no rain, there's, there's a drought going on, the heat's there, we can still be there. And so you'll endure because you're united with Christ. You can endure your circumstances because you have Christ. So here's the big question. How do I do that? How do I get from shrubby bush over here to being planted by the water? How does that happen? How do we get from point A to point B? Well, here they are. Here's a big question. Will you entrust yourself to the Lord? Will you? Will you entrust yourself to the Lord? Jeremiah 17, seven, Psalm 31, 24. If the answer is yes, then how? Number one, identify what you are afraid of and formulate a biblical strategy to overcome it. What is your heat? What is the drought? What is the thing that you're afraid of the most? So you identify your fears by asking questions, keeping a journal, noting exactly when it happens, where you are, what happened, who you were with, what you were thinking about, what, and what you should do when you are tempted to be fearful. For example, let's just say you have fear of the events going on, right? If the reason why you become so fearful and you might be like, man, I am really afraid. And you look at the time and it's 11 o'clock at night and you're like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm staying up all night just because I'm just so worried with everything that's going on. Well, what has caused all that? Let's start backtracking. What were you doing? Well, I was watching the coronavirus channel. Oh, well, that, that, might, that might be a problem. Okay, let's change the channel. Or how about we just turn off the TV? Okay, that'd be great. Well, what else? Well, let's see. I haven't been reading God's word. Oh, maybe that would be a good place to start. Maybe I haven't been praying. Oh, that would be a good place to start, okay? So we have to backtrack. We have to find out. Maybe it's because we were talking to certain individuals who are people that are just very fearful and we're talking to them and they're fearful and it's causing us to fear. Well, we need to change that, okay? So keep a journal, find out when, where, why, how. All those things, identify what you're afraid of, formulate a biblical strategy, overcome it. Secondly, hope in God alone. Uh, Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not, uh, so trust in the Lord, acknowledge him, trust in him, hope in God alone. Isaiah 26, uh, 3 through 4. We should learn how to repent of all other hopes. Uh, John 15, five, Jesus talks about, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. So if you're putting your trust in hope in other things other than Christ, you need to repent of that. So hope in God alone. Acknowledge him in everything you do and trust yourself by following his word, Proverbs 16, 20. You see, the issue is not mere outward works of ceremony, but your heart, what is your heart trusting in? That's what God's after is your heart. What's your heart seeking after? What rain are you seeking? If it's the, uh, the approval of people, that's rain, that's rain. I, I struggle with that, approval of people. I want people to approve of me. I want people to tell me they like me. 
And when I don't get that, what do I become? I become a dry, shrubby plant, bush in the desert. Ask my wife. (laughs) What rain are you seeking after? Those things become idols in our lives. So we have to repent of those. Thirdly, renew your mind that God alone is trustworthy. Psalm 27, three, uh, Psalm 118, uh, verses eight through nine. Psalm 40, verse number four. Psalm 62, five through six. Psalm 22, five. Isaiah 50, 10, Proverbs 14, 26. God alone is trustworthy. You're gonna have to start renewing your mind. That means spending time in the word of God finding out what God's word says about fears, the solution to fears, letting those things go over and over and over and over in your mind. Fourthly, form new habits when you are tempted to fear. This means learning what you should change, how you should respond when you become uh, fearful. So you have to make new habits. So if your habit is always well at 11.30 at night, I uh, click on the, the evening news and I watch that till I fall asleep. Well, what do you think you're gonna be thinking about when you're sleeping? What do you think is gonna be going on in your heart? You're gonna have to change that. You're gonna have to make changes. So you have to form new habits in doing all of that. Now, what I have here, I do have uh, some things here just really goes along with what we talked a little bit about, about identifying fears, solutions to fears. This is this little uh, worksheet here. And this is actually for a whole week, uh, days uh, one through six, but you can use it for a whole week. But um, to help you work through this, how to identify what fears that you have, learn how to overcome fears, okay? And this can apply to anything. This just doesn't have to be about coronavirus. I mean, this is, it could be anything, okay? Your marriage, your spouse, uh, it could your children, could be your job situation, anything. The fear of people, fear of man, anything, okay? And uh, I want to put this in your hands so that way you can have it and, and utilize it, okay? Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.